Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Good morning, Vietnam! I have you now. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Hello! My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. Episode number 98 of the 30-something movie podcast. I am your host, John Reed. Um, I am flying solo this time. We are talking the Razzies of 1986. Uh, movies that came out in 86, they would have won the or been nominated for the Golden Raspberry Awards in 1987, but these came out in 86, the year that we're covering right now. So we are going to be talking about those movies this time. Um, I'm not going to talk a whole lot about Howard the Duck because we did an entire show on Howard the Duck before. So if you want to go back and take a look at that one, uh, Howard the Duck was our episode number. What number was that one? Um, episode number 73, uh, that came out back in June and, uh, it was a, it was a little bit of a contentious episode, um, had, uh, Pat and had Dennis with me and Dennis, uh, I think Pat threw up and, uh, Dennis had to leave the room at the mention of a couple of things in that movie. But I am going to contend that with the three movies that I'm going to talk about today, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on each of these movies because, frankly, I don't think much time should be spent on these movies. They were bad. They deserve the Razzies that they got. And actually, I am going to argue Howard the Duck was a better movie than each of these three that I'm going to talk about today. Um, I could not find a whole lot that I liked about I Well, back it up there for a second. Maybe Haunted Honeymoon is a little bit better than Howard the Duck. But the other ones really really bad there's really bad there's a reason these things won this award so uh the movies we're going to be talking about today like i said not gonna spend time on howard the duck because we've already done that um but i'm going to be talking really quickly about haunted honeymoon about under the cherry moon there's a lot of mooning going on whoa whoa. that escalated quickly that's not what i meant to say uh there were a lot of moons in these movies uh so there was uh there was Yes, thank you. There was Haunted Honeymoon, um, there was Under the Cherry Moon, and there was Shanghai Surprise. So um, let's just uh, let's just jump right in because sometimes, you know, if there's if there's a, a vegetable as a kid that you didn't want to eat, or you know, if if the swimming pool was really cold and you just got, it's, it's uncomfortable. The band aid, you got to pull the band aid off, or if somebody you know, put some duct tape on your arm or whatever, and you got to tear it off, you just you got to do it. It just there's no way around it. So let's just jump right in. All right, haunted honeymoon. This probably was my of the three movies that I'm going to talk about this time. This is probably my favorite of the three. So haunted honeymoon came out July 25th, 1986. Was rated PG. Directed by Gene Wilder, who died this year. You know, not that long ago, just maybe a few months ago. Uh, died 2016. He was also the director of The Ventures of Sherlock Holmes' Smarter Brother and The World's Greatest Lover. Producer was Susan Ruskin. She produced The Woman in Red and Anaconda. Writer for this was Gene Wilder, who also wrote Young Frankenstein, See No Evil, Hear No Evil. Uh, Terrence Marsh was another writer. 
uh, did Finders Keepers. He was the production designer, though, for Rush Hour 2, The Green Mile, The Shawshank Redemption, and Spaceballs. Music was done by John Morris, who did the music for Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, Clue, Dirty Dancing, and Spaceballs. The budget for this one was $13 million. The box office was $8 million. Gene Wilder played Larry Abbott. Uh, he was also in, like I have to list these, he was in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, Frankenstein, I'm sorry, Frankenstein, and Stir Crazy. Gilda Radner, uh, who died in 1989, played Vicki Pearl. She was on Saturday Night Live. Uh, that's where I know her from the most. I've seen a couple of her movies, but that's always my favorite is when she was on SNL. The Woman in Red and Movers and Shakers. Dom DeLuise, who died in 2009, played Aunt Kate. He was in Blazing Saddles, The Muppet Movie, History of the World Part 1, An American Tale, Spaceballs, and Robin Hood Men in Tights. Jonathan Price played Charles. He was in Something Wicked This Way Comes, Brazil, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, Evita, and Pirates of the Caribbean. Brian Pringle, who died in 2002, played Fister. He was in Three Men and a Little Lady and several British TV series. Peter Vaughn played Francis Abbott Sr. He was in Brazil, The Remains of the Day, and An Ideal Husband. Eve Ferret played Sylvia. She was in Absolute Beginners and A Merry War. Paul L. Smith died in 2012, played Dr. Paul Abbott. He was in Midnight Express, Dune, Maverick, and Jeff's absolute favorite movie of all time, Red Sonja. Uh, Jul... Is it Julian? Yes. Julian Griffin played Nora. Uh, she was in The Woman in Red, and the, she was the composer of the Jeopardy theme music for those who... So, the more you know. Jim Carter played Montego. He was in Shakespeare in Love, Alice in Wonderland, and Downton Abbey. Uh, Joe Ross played Susan. She was in Morons from Outer Space, Charles and Diana, A Royal Love Story, and the TV show, the British TV show Lovejoy. Uh, my parents used to watch that all the time. Uh, Roger Ashton Griffiths played Francis Jr. He was in Brazil, King Ralph, Gangs of New York, and Game of Thrones. Lots of games going on there. Games, that's gangs, of, not games of New York. Stupid. Why would you? It's not game, games of New York. Gangs of New York. <sighs> should just give up. Should just stop right now. This is it's all downhill from here. So, whatever. Uh, Anne Way died in 1993. Played Rachel. She was in Brazil, The Dresser, and Clockwise. Rotten Tomatoes gave this one. Uh, critics gave it a 25 percent. Audience gave it a 53 percent. I could not find any reviews from Siskel and Ebert. Cinema score. So people leaving the theater. The cinema score is when people leave the theater. They are polled to find out how they felt about the movie just as they are leaving. So exit polling for movies. Um, this one got a C minus on Cinema Score. Uh, it won the award for uh, worst supporting actress, Dom DeLuise. Uh, got the. I'll take the, just the summary straight from Google here. Radio personalities Larry Abbott, Gene Wilder, and Vicki Pearl, Gilda Radner, are stars of a mystery show, mystery radio show. Uh, since they announced their engagement, Larry has been plagued by speech problems and, seeking out an unconventional cure, he returns to his boyhood home, a mansion in the countryside, bringing Vicki along. Larry reunites with numerous family members, including the flamboyant Aunt Kate, played by Dom DeLuise, but discovers there are sinister things afoot within the walls of the creepy estate. It should have been the happiest moment of their lives, the night they came home to be married at the house of great Aunt Kate. 
but it turned into a haunted honeymoon. frightens you, anything at all, you just holler. Holy baloney, here we go again. I just found Cousin Francis in my bed. Was he wearing a dress? Yes, he was. Just ask him to leave, sir. Tell him you have a headache. Whatever happens... Who knows if any of us shall ever see the morning. They have to be ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready! One, two... Beat it while you're still healthy. You do the rock, Yes, sir. It's the biggest thrill of my life. You put your left out. You'd think this would frighten me. And bring it back. It's not what you think. Well, it's partly what you think, but wait. Oh, wait. Starring Gene. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa. Wilder, Gilda Radner. Oh, this thing's pinching my butt. And Don DeLuise in his most demanding role. Oh, it's so complicated. Haunted Honeymoon. All right, so for this one, I just to, to kind of get into this one right away. Um, this is probably my favorite of the three movies that, that we've got here for the Razzies of 86. Um, this one, and, and in saying that it's my favorite, that doesn't mean that it's a great movie. Uh, I don't think it's a great movie. Uh, it, the writing in this one, I think is where things fall apart. Um, and that's going to be the case for all three of these movies. I think it, I, I think it had a, a, a decent idea. I mean, it was kind of a, a bit of a clue type movie with the mystery stuff going on, but you know, and and a little bit of the you know the humor of the Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein and and the regular kind of Gene Wilder stuff, and and I think the reason why this movie is okay for me, um, it, it's not the worst of these three movies, is because of Gene Wilder. I think because of Gene Wilder, because of Gilda Radner. There's a charm there that these other movies don't have. When I get to talking about Under the Cherry Moon and Shanghai Surprise, there's no charm from the the actors in those movies. Gene Wilder, I think, in no matter what he's in, he just exudes this kind of this this I don't know this this kind of charm, this innocent charm of I know that I'm you know I, I know that I'm in a funny movie and. It may not be the greatest movie, but I'm still I'm having fun. I'm still going to smile. I'm going to have fun, and I hope you have fun. I feel like that's kind of the the uh, the personality that he brings to all of his different movies, and and uh, so I I kind of felt like that's what gave this movie a boost um, from all the other three. It's a fairly convoluted plot. Um, I mean, I, the plot seems simple enough, but it's uh, that he's had this almost kind of like a nervous breakdown on the eve of his wedding. And you don't exactly know why, but he's going to go back to his boyhood home and they're going to try to scare the, the plan is to kind of scare the nerves out of him. 
but at the same time, there's real murder going on, and I just, yeah. And then, uh, so you go through, and it's it's the little scenes here and there where uh, he's running around the house trying to, you know, either hide a body or get away from a monster or a body or a werewolf or, or whatever. Those situations, the situations that he finds himself in, those are funny. Um, when he's sitting on top of the moose head uh, in the house or when he's in bed with, the, I think it was the dead cousin um, who was in the dress. And uh, just some of the little little one-liners here and there. Those were funny. Those were good. The plot overall was really convoluted. And I kind of found as I was watching this movie, I, I kept having to go back and and either reread a description of the plot just to make sure I still understood what the movie was supposed to be about. Um, and then you get to the very end. And, and like I've said before, we're going to spoil stuff. So if you haven't seen it yet, too bad. It's about to get spoiled. Um, at the very end, you find out the entire movie has been a radio show. And they're about to go... Um, get married in real life anyway. So I don't know. It just, it seemed like this one, this one for me, this was the first time I'd seen it. None of these movies, and I, I've never seen any of these movies before. So this was the first time uh, I can see where it could be one of the worst movies of the year. But at the same time, it's, there are other movies that I feel like we've watched that, that I liked less. Um, I was not, a, if you listen to our episode, I was not a huge fan of ruthless people. Um, yeah, I haven't been a fan of some of the others that have come out for this year that we've watched. I don't know that this one really deserves to be on the list of like the absolute top three or four worst movies of the year. Um, but it's just more so than these other two that I'm about to talk about. There's the charm of Gilda Radner. There's the charm of Gene Wilder. Um, it was fun to see some of these other actors in here. Jonathan Price, I think, is always funny. Um, I always like to see him in, in movies. And uh, it was fun to see Mr. Carson from uh, Downton Abbey in a slightly different role. The voice, his voice has not gotten any less deep. Um, I, he just has a great voice. And it was just, it was fun to see all of these people together. Dom DeLuise, <laughs> the descriptions in um, the trailer, I think said that it was his most demanding role or most challenging role. Um, the the plot description on Google said that he was flamboyant. It, Yes, but there are also times that he just looks bored. Like he he signed on to be in this movie, and he signed on to be to play this part of Aunt Kate, and he just kind of looks like he's going through the motions, and and he's spending most of his. It looked like he was on medication, um, that you know, was just made. He was half asleep the entire time. So I don't know what. And normally Dom DeLuise, I think he's pretty funny. Um, didn't really think he was all that funny. I think other people reacting to his Aunt Kate character were funnier than he was as Aunt Kate. So I think I can agree with him getting the award for Worst Actress. Um, it was just not good. Looked like he was half asleep the entire time. So um, so this one, of the, if I was going to rank them, so if we take our four, and again, I'm not going to talk about Howard the Duck because we already did, but if I was going to rank the four, um, I would say that the best of these four movies... Um, Ah, uh, you know, I will, I'm going to give a tie for best of the four worst movies of the year. I'm going to give a tie to Howard the Duck and Haunted Honeymoon. So those two, I, I will give them a first place tie for best of the worst. Uh, and then as we get into these other two, I don't even know which one should go on the bottom. Um, probably the next one. Right, let's take a look at the next one and, and uh, we can. you can decide for yourself, but 
I'll give you my, you're here to listen to me too, so I'll give you my opinion too. All right, well, the next one is Under the Cherry Moon. This is the Prince movie. Uh, came out July 2nd, 1986, rated PG-13. Uh, director was Prince, who died in 2016. Uh, he also directed Graffiti Bridge, uh, which apparently is the unofficial sequel to Purple Rain. I will admit, I'll just do this right now before I get through the rest of the credits here, the rest of the, the cast and crew. Um, I have never watched Purple Rain. I've never watched any of Prince's stuff. I'm not a huge Prince fan, so I think maybe that... I don't know if that puts me at a disadvantage for talking about this movie. I think to enjoy this movie, you have to be a Prince fan. And I think you have to be a pretty big Prince fan because it's a bad movie. But that being said, I'm not. I'm, I'm just throwing that out there right now. I'm not a Prince fan, so if people watch this movie and they're like, oh, this is perfect, this is, this is totally Prince, I'm not a Prince guy. So... Um, that's probably where some of the stuff, you know, like to me, the the like awkward trying to be sexy stares that he gives people in this movie, it is not working for me. I'm sorry, ladies, maybe it works for you, but not working for me. Uh, so back on to the cast and crew uh, produced by Robert Cavallo, who also produced um, uh, a couple of movies that I, well, several movies I really like. 12 Monkeys, City of Angels, Fallen, and Purple Rain. If you haven't seen Fallen, that's a good creepy one. I should have recommended that one for uh, one of our Halloween ones. Um, it's Denzel Washington, John Goodman, kind of a demon possession movie. Um, some Rolling Stones music in it, so it was pretty good. Uh, Stephen Farnoli died in 2001. He was another producer. He produced Purple Rain and Sign of the Times, a Prince documentary. Joseph Ruffalo uh, also produced Purple Rain and Sign of the Times. Writer for this one was Becky Johnston, uh, wrote The Prince of Tides and Seven Years in Tibet. Music was done by Prince and the Revolution. They also did the music for Purple Rain and Graffiti Bridge. Budget could not find for this one. Uh, box office was $10.1 So, um, surprisingly, so the Prince fans must have come out for this one because, um, yeah. Uh, otherwise, I don't know how it made $10.1 million, but there we go. All right, so starring Prince as Christopher Tracy. He was in Purple Rain and Graffiti Bridge. Jerome Benton as Tricky Tracy. It's just a fun name to say. Uh, was in Purple Rain, Graffiti Bridge, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Stephen Burkoff played Mr. Sharon. Was in A Clockwork Orange, Octopussy, Beverly Hills Cop, and The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Um, he's just a, he's a great villain. And I this movie, I think, wasted his villainy, but... Um, that's fine. Uh, Emmanuel Saleh. I'm going to assume it's Saleh because I think she's French. Uh, her, she played Katie, and she was in a movie called, this is another one of those fun, weird, crazy 80s, I think it was an 80s movie, uh, titles, The Perils of Gwendolyn in the Land of the Yik Yak. Never seen it. Probably not going to see it. Uh, Alexandra Stewart played Mrs. Sharon. She was in The Bride Wore Black, Day for Night, Black Moon, and Frantic. Kristen Scott Thomas. This was her feature film debut. Sorry, Kristen. Uh, she played Mary Sharon. She was in Four Weddings and a Funeral, The English Patient, and Mission Impossible. And Francesca Annis, or Annis played Mrs. Wellington, or The Lady in White. She was in Macbeth, Kroll, and Dune. Rotten Tomatoes. The critics gave this one a 33%. The audience gave it a 68%. Uh, Siskel and Ebert both gave this a thumbs down. Ebert said, The movie's plot is so thin and so silly that even Prince's fans laughed at it instead of laughing with it, and that's a bad sign. The movie didn't even last in the theater more than two weeks. Siskel said, Yep, I saw it in the theater with people, and they were laughing at the film. I think the creativity stopped almost with the art direction. 
I think they wanted to do the stylized, kind of old-fashioned 30s black-and-white movie, and that's where the creativity stopped, because it's a stupid story. Script failure. CinemaScore gave this a B plus. so apparently the Prince fans that went to go see the movie, they enjoyed it, and that's probably the only people who went to go see the movie, um, and that won the Razzie Awards uh, for this one. The, that was the only awards it won. Uh, so a quick summary. Christopher and Tricky Tracy are brothers who are gigolos. Um, so could you refer to them as gigabros? We are all about the English language on this podcast where we uh, either make up words or we educate you on words like triumvirate uh, or um, what was the other one we made up? Uh, pre-union. If it was the pre-union of two actors before they were in a movie that they're probably more famous for. Um, so pre-union was back in our, I think that was River's Edge because it was uh, Keanu Reeves and Dennis Hopper. That was before they were in Speed together. Um, and Triumvirate is just everywhere. That's our tagline for this podcast, basically. So um, we're, we're all about the English language here. Anyway, moving on. Uh, the story takes place in France in some alternate universe where all of existence is in a uh, black and white Prince video with no discernible time period, whether it's the 1930s or the 1980s or, I don't know, um, it's somewhere in time in France. Uh, Christopher Tracy also has the mutant ability to woo women with his awkwardly creepy slash sexy stares from across a room. One of those women is a wealthy heiress who stands to inherit $50 million on her 21st birthday. The only problem is that he actually falls in love with her. The only other problem is that I'm not necessarily a huge Prince fan, like I said, and I think you kind of need to be one in order to possibly enjoy this movie. See it. picture under the cherry moon feel the beat feel the heat Under the Cherry Moon. Okay, so um, I watched this. Um, mm, do I call it a movie? I think I call it a movie. I really, I, I'm, and I'm going to preface this by saying, I think I've already said this, I'm not here to offend Prince fans. Okay, I, I, I would just about imagine that there are plenty of Prince fans that are out there that have seen this movie, that enjoy this movie. You are a, a big Prince fan. I mean, I know that if somebody that I liked was in a movie, a musician was in a movie that I enjoyed, like David Bowie. Some people don't like Labyrinth. I love Labyrinth. Okay, some people think it's not a good movie. I think it's a great movie. I think it's entertaining. 
my problem with this movie is, and I feel like objectively I can come to a movie and say, maybe it's not a good movie, but I can, I'm entertained by it. This is not a good movie, and I'm not entertained. Are you not? I was not entertained. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Um, I was not entertained. So that answers your question, Russell Crowe. Thank you for listening while you mow your lawn. Um, yeah, no, not an entertaining movie by any stretch of the imagination. And a lot of this movie is just ridiculous. I mean, they. I, I agree with when I read up on uh, what Siskel and Ebert said, I agree with them that the set design is beautiful. The costumes are beautiful in this movie. It's like it's what you'd expect from Prince, that visually this is going to be stunning. The camera work, I mean, it was, it was okay. I mean, it, it looked like it was, in a lot of ways, it was trying to mimic some of the old 1930s um, movie-making style. Uh, the black and white, obviously, was, was trying to do that as well. Um, I got to jump to the, the first scene of the movie. I tried to watch this movie. I started this movie several times over the last month. And the first scene of him uh, sitting at the piano and getting all those notes from his brother with the, the lady in white uh, sitting there at the table, it just, it just was so ridiculous as he's making eyes at this woman in white. Um, it just seemed so dumb. And it didn't make any sense. I, I couldn't tell what was going on. And granted, it's the beginning of the movie, so I don't expect a movie to tell me everything right as it starts. But it just... I couldn't tell... This movie seemed like it was making fun of itself. And that's the sad thing is, I, I'm not sure it's making fun of itself, but I'm not sure that the actors in it took it seriously. And I don't know that it's meant to be serious, but it's one of those movies where it's, there's no, I don't know, there's no clear line that this is meant to be a comedy. But it's not, if it's a comedy, it's not a good comedy. If it's a drama, it's a really horrible drama. It just seemed like they were making fun of themselves and not kind of like that. It didn't seem like it was that self-aware making fun of themselves. Maybe like, um, well, some of the other satires like Spaceballs or um, the Deadpool movie. You know, not only is Deadpool making fun of the superhero genre, it's kind of making fun of itself. Um, this movie, I don't know that this movie knew what it was. So there was not a whole lot about this movie that I enjoyed. Um, as I said, the visuals, visuals are beautiful, but um, not it, the story didn't seem to make any sense at all. The acting was atrocious. The, the characters were ridiculous. The dialogue was, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't even know. Um, they kind of, here's my thought. Um, yeah, and, okay, let's go into a couple other things real quick before we get to my thoughts, um, which I'm already giving you, so that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, worst car chase, like when they're racing each other in their sports cars, um, really bad, no drama at all. Um, awkwardly bad love scenes, if you can say that. Um, it just, yeah, I don't even know. This is one of those movies I have a hard time putting words to because I don't know if I, I can't even describe, I, I want to say it's one of those that you have to watch to understand why it's so bad, but I don't want you to watch it. Unless you really love Prince, then I think you should watch it. But if you don't really love Prince, I think you should stay as far away from this movie as possible because it, it was bad. And I know that the other guys really hated Howard the Duck, but if I'm ranking these, I'm ranking this one lower than Howard the Duck. This was a bad movie. I would never go back and rewatch this. Would I go back and rewatch Howard the Duck? Mm, if I'd had a little bit to drink, maybe. 
a few drinks, then maybe I'll go back and rewatch it and give it a second chance, knowing that it doesn't deserve a second chance. But this one, I'm never watching this one ever again. Not a chance. Not going to happen. Um, this one has actually even turned me off watching any other Prince movie. So like I said, I've never watched Purple Rain. I've never watched any of these other ones he's, a, he's done. But this one has turned me off ever watching anything that Prince ever does again. So that's kind of how bad I felt it was. Um, so we get through. It, it's this whole kind of love story of they were supposed to be scamming the wealthy heiress, but then he ends up falling in love with her, and his brother, Tricky, gets upset um, because they had a deal, and he was supposed to get a cut of it. And um, Mary's father doesn't like this uh, at all. She, I think she already had a, a fiancé that was, um, you know, in, I think he was in America, and he was coming to visit, um, and it was kind of an arranged type thing. Um, a waste of a villain, because I think that... Um, Stephen Burkoff, the the one who was in uh, Beverly Hills Cop and and uh, Octopussy and A Clockwork Orange, I think he makes a great villain. I mean, I, th- I loved him in Beverly Hills Cop, but not here. It, it was wasted on him. Um, I feel bad for Kristen Scott Thomas that this was her first movie. Um, yeah, just not not a whole lot I can say that's good about this movie. Oh, one thing I did want to say was I really think that uh, they could have taken their candle budget. So the amount of times they had candles, like in the love scenes and in the grotto um, scenes, they could have taken their candle budget and maybe paid for a writer and paid for, maybe somebody other than Prince should have directed it. Um, you know, I don't like to speak ill of the dead here, but um, not a great movie at all. Um, and the writer, I'm, I'm amazed that, and maybe this was, I'll have to look up again if this is one of her first things, but Becky Johnston, um, you did Prince of Tides and Seven Years in Tibet, Maybe it was just a bad interpretation of her writing, but yikes. It's just not a good movie at all. Um, and, and, and Prince, and again, like I said, not a big Prince fan, but there's just, there was no charm there. He just seemed sleazy to me. Um, it, it wasn't, and I've never been a Prince fan, so it, it's not like his whole act and his whole thing with the women, it just, it didn't seem sexy. It, it was just weird and creepy. Um, so, but apparently people liked it because it got a B-plus cinema score, so all right, good for you. Um, glad somebody enjoyed it, but uh, not me. Didn't enjoy it, didn't like it. Um, take that candle budget, get a writer, but don't remake this one. This one never needs to be remade, and it never needs to really be looked at ever again. Uh, finally, let's go on into, oh, you know, the other thing I want to point out, at the end of the movie, so, spoiler alert, uh, Christopher Prince dies when Mary's father has, I think it's either the police or his security, shoot him as he's racing for the grotto to meet up with Mary. And at the end, um, Tricky is reading a letter from, that was sent to him from Mary. Uh, Katie, the French girl, comes in and hands him the letter. It looks like the letter was unopened. So she says it's, it's from Mary. He opens it, and he starts reading the letter out loud. And then it switches from him reading the letter, narrating, to a voiceover of Mary. But then in the middle of the voiceover, he responds to the voiceover. Like, it's kind of awkward. It, it, in the world, there shouldn't be any sound there. Like, they're not really hearing her voice out loud, or they shouldn't be in the way movies are normally made. And she asks something like, you know, how are you, how are you enjoying being your own landlord or something like that? And he just goes, fine. So in real life, you'd have a guy reading a letter, and he would respond to it by just sitting there in total silence for a second and be like, fine. 
if I was somebody standing around, I, I would think he's kind of crazy. And it seemed kind of ridiculous. And then um, Katie, the French girl who's standing there with him, somehow knows that in the letter, Mary said, give Katie a hug for me. Um, and she somehow knows that without having read the letter. So somehow they can hear the voiceover. I don't know. There were plenty of times in this movie. That's my other big criticism of this movie is the sound was awful. And I know Prince fans would love the music in this, but there were times in this movie where I could not tell whether the music was meant to be source music from within the world or if it was music that's just there as part of the, the, the soundtrack. Like, what are you supposed to be able to hear and what are you not supposed to be able to hear? What can the characters hear music-wise and what can the audience hear music-wise? And it just, it was a mishmash of just crap. Um, and that's not counting the Prince songs. There were some good songs in there too, but it just was a weird, for somebody who's a musician, the music in this movie was just bad. Uh, the background music, the there were there was background music at times when it wasn't appropriate, when it was distracting. Sometimes the music was too loud and the dialogue was too soft. So your sound editing, I, I understand why this one got a Razzie. So we'll leave it at that. All right, finally, Shanghai Surprise came out August 29th, 1986, rated PG-13, directed by Jim Goddard, who died in 2013. He directed the Kennedy TV miniseries and A Tale of Two Cities TV movie. Producer and a writer for this one, John Cohn, died in 2002. Uh, he produced and wrote Reach for Glory, The Collector, and Theater of Blood. Another writer for this one, Robert Bentley, uh, only did Shanghai Surprise. No surprise there. And uh, Tony Kenrick did the novel for this one. Uh, I believe the novel was called Faraday's Flowers, and he also wrote uh, for, or maybe wrote a novel that became a movie called Nobody's Perfect. Music was done by George Harrison, who died in 2001. Uh, he also did music for the movie Wonderwall. Michael Kamen, or Kamen, I always forget how to say his name, died in 2003. He did the music for Brazil, Highlander, X-Men, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, and Lethal Weapon. Budget for this one was $17 million, and the box office... Drum roll. We can get a drum roll. There we go. Um, 2.3 million. So I don't know if that's officially the lowest box office we've ever seen for any movie we've ever covered. And it deserves every penny it didn't make. Um, it's a bad movie. But we'll get into that. So Sean Penn uh, plays Glendon Wazy. I think it was Wazy. Uh, he was in Mystic River, 21 Grams, Milk, and Dead Man Walking. Madonna played Gloria Tatlock. She was in Dick Tracy, A League of Their Own, and Evita. Don't cry for me, Argentina. That, that was a good movie. Okay, I like that movie. But And League of Their Own, good movie. Dick Tracy, eh, it's okay. Um, but she's not winning any Actress of the Year awards. Paul Freeman was Walter Faraday. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Hot Fuzz, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. Richard Griffiths, who died in 2013, played Willie Tuttle. He was in Superman 2, Chariots of Fire, King Ralph, and the Harry Potter movies. Philip Sayer, who died in 1989, played Justin Cronk. He was in Extro and The Hunger. Clyde Kusatsu, Kusatsu, I think it's Kusatsu, I just messed that up. Clyde Kusatsu, if I'm saying that right, played Joe Go. He was in Midway, Star Trek The Next Generation, and The Interpreter. Kei Tong Lim played Megan. Uh, he was in Dragon the Bruce Lee Story and Broke Down Palace. Son Surai Lee played China Doll. She was in a movie called Tokyo, I may butcher this one too, I apologize in advance. Tokyo no Kyujitsu, I think. Mm. Nailed, I'm going to go nailed it in the hope that I actually did, but probably not. Uh, Victor Wong, who died in 2001, played Ho Chong, and he was in The Golden Child, Big Trouble in Little China, The Last Emperor, Tremors, and Seven Years in Tibet. 
Professor Toru Tanaka was Yamagani-san. He was in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, The Running Man, Dark Man, Last Action Hero. Critics gave this one a 13%. Audience gave it a 15%. There are no reviews that I could find from Siskel and Ebert. Cinema score, and this may be the lowest cinema score I've ever seen, too. D+. No awards for this movie except for the Razzie Awards. Um, quick summary. Glendon Wazy is out for fortune and glory, but not in that good way like Indiana Jones. And he's out, uh, he's looking for a way out of China. Gloria Tatlock is a missionary nurse who has teamed up with Wazy in search of stolen opium that she hopes can use, uh, she hopes to be able to use to help her patients. There's plenty of Shanghai in this movie. The surprise was how hackneyed the writing was. It was bad. Best international currency in the world. That's opium. Shanghai. A place of mystery. Attend him. <laughs> A world. I'd skip that one. Of surprise. Run by hell! Next time I see you, I set you up in a nice tie. No, we still have Sean Penn. See, you have quite a following, Mr. Wazy. Madonna. You deceitful, jelly spine, backstabbing bat. Shanghai Surprise. Two missionaries and a glow-in-the-dark tie salesman do not just stroll up to people and ask if they've seen a thousand pounds of opium lying around. Good evening, Mr. Wazy. <laughs> Please get on with this, Mr. Wazy. We have a lot to do today. Hey, you look sincere and you sound sincere and you're lying through your teeth. I do not accept this! I do not accept this! You're crazy, you know that? What did you say, Mr. Wazy? I can't hear you. Metro Goldwyn Mayer presents Sean Penn, Madonna, Shanghai Surprise. Shanghai Surprise. Very hot item. Okay, let me start off by saying I thought the car race in Under the Cherry Moon was bad. The rickshaw chase, which I hesitate to call a chase, uh, the rickshaw chase in this movie was much, much worse. I, mm, that's the problem with these movies. It, it just it makes me speechless. I don't know how to explain these things. They were trying to go for tension and drama and, and speed. Um, it did not happen. It was just bad. Um, and it ends very abruptly, and the people chasing them somehow disappear, and no, um, so it was bad. Uh, I will say, and only if you've seen the movie will you understand what I'm saying here, even Madonna's Haven of Celestial Bliss could not save this movie. Um, and the other way I will sum up this movie is there is a line where Madonna's character, Gloria, is trying to seduce Mr. Wazy, uh, Sean Penn, and she does so by taking off her clothes and jumping into bed with him. And he is very reluctant because he doesn't want to be obligated to help her out in any way. Um, a very interesting way for a missionary nurse to... Okay, well, there's a joke there, but I'm not going to make it. Um, there is a... Uh... Okay, I, I got stuck there. Um, not going to do it. Not going to do it. Not going to say it. Okay. Um, so she then is trying to seduce him. And his, her comment to him is, could we please get on with this, Mr. Wazy? We have a lot to do today. And that is how I felt watching this movie. I'm glad I had other things to do while I was watching the movie because that was going through my head the entire time was, can we please get on with this because I have a lot of things I need to do today. This was another bad movie. And it was, I will say, with the last two movies, 
Shanghai Surprise and Under the Cherry Moon, it's the fact that there is no, there's there's almost no chemistry at all between the actors in this movie. There's no charm either. And there can be a bad movie, but you've got some charm in it. I will give Leah Thompson in Duck in uh, Howard the Duck. She had some charm to her. It wasn't her greatest movie. Well, by far, not her greatest movie. She was charming. You have Gene Wilder and Gilda Radner in Haunted Honeymoon. Charming. These two movies, especially this one, not charming. Um, you know, you've got, it's a little bit of a combination of he's trying to be an Indiana Jones character, maybe, like uh, from Temple of Doom, but he's not. He doesn't have the... He doesn't have the wit, and he doesn't have the kind of roguish charm of, of a Harrison Ford, and he certainly does not have a Kurt Russell kind of swagger to him from Big Trouble in Little China. It, it's, but he's trying to be these characters, but Sean Penn at this point in his career, or this movie, just didn't have it. Not at all. So, bad movie. Didn't like it. I mean, they go through all these different adventures of trying to, of course, he's apparently sleeping with half of the women in Shanghai, um, all the concubines in Shanghai, but in their on this adventure to try to find this opium, try to find the, the Faraday's flowers, and it's just one little situation after another, and it's just, it's not a good movie. It's the acting is bad, the writing is atrocious, the, it's the second time I've used atrocious. Um, it's all bad, everything, all, all, all of it, just horrible. Um, so don't go see this one either. The other thing about this one is a huge waste of a character. And I know this is based off of a story, so obviously it's, it's you know, um, they can only take the character so far unless they're going to do a bunch of rewriting, which they probably should have done. Um, I, I And I'm not going to go read the, the novel this is based off of, unfortunately, because the movie was so bad, but I probably wouldn't anyway. Um, big waste, big waste of Paul Freeman. I love him as uh, Belloc in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And when I saw him at the beginning of this movie, I thought, oh, that I, I like this guy. Let's make this happen. Let's do it. Nope, didn't happen. Uh, he was gone in the first few minutes, and it just was a waste of, of a... In the first few minutes weren't even that great for him. So just wasted opportunities for this one. Um, and you can see why it didn't make its money. Madonna was just, I guess, there for a paycheck. The acting was bad. Sean Penn... I, I read some reports that he was pretty much drunk the entire time they made this movie. I would probably have to be drunk to be in this movie and make it. Not that they're going to ask me to be in the movie, but um, I can understand maybe why he was drunk because maybe at the time he knew that it was going to be bad. Who knows? Um, or that's just Sean Penn. Or was Sean Penn. Um, so, yeah, it's not. there's not a whole lot redeeming about this movie. Uh, not a fan. I'm not ever going to watch this again. And I don't know that I can recommend anybody else to spend their time, unless they just really love movies about Shanghai. Um, then go for it. I, maybe. Otherwise, don't. Stay far, far away from it. Uh, yeah, so um, that's probably going to do it for our Razzies of 1986. Again, uh, if I'm ranking these, I'm going to give the best of the worst. I'm going to give to Howard the Duck and Haunted Honeymoon. And then I'm going to go with... I'm going to give number three of the best of the worst. So this is the next to last, next to, I don't even forget. Um, I'm going to give it to Shanghai Surprise because at least there were times where I, I saw what kind of movie it was trying to be. It was just bad execution in the writing and the acting. 
and I felt like even though there was no charm from the characters, no charm is more than what they had going in Under the Cherry Moon. So Under the Cherry Moon, I would rank as the absolute lowest, and, and I haven't seen, you know, if there's any other really horrible movies from 1986, I haven't seen them yet. That I would definitely rank as one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Uh, I would rank it lower than Howard the Duck, so the other guys may be surprised if I say that. Um, just it, it was just bad. It was just bad. So I'm sorry if you're a Prince fan. I'm not saying that to, to rag on Prince and to defame his memory or anything like that. It was just a bad movie, and that's all I'm going to say about that. So uh, coming up really soon, we've got a few more uh, movies coming up in November. We start off with our kind of crime-fighting movies, mystery movies, and we've got Cobra. We have Raw Deal. Uh, we're going to be doing Blue Velvet and then um, The Name of the Rose, and that's going to finish us up for November. So if you have any feedback for us, if you disagree with anything I've said for the Razzies of 86, if you've got a worse movie that came out in 86 that you'd like to share with us, let us know. 30podcast at gmail.com, at 30podcast on Twitter. You can get to all those different ways to get in touch with us by going to 30podcast.com. That is our website that has all of our information on it. Uh, you can listen to our episodes there. Otherwise, we are on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Satchel, all those other fun places to get your podcasts. So, in the meantime, go watch some good movies. Don't watch these movies. Go watch some good ones. Uh, go watch Raw Deal and go watch Cobra. Well, I'm not saying Cobra's necessarily a great movie, but um, go watch some of those. And then come back and uh, listen to us, and uh, we'll see you next time. So go, go see... First of all, let me stop stuttering for a minute. Be excellent to each other. Go see some good movies, and we'll see you next time. All right, thanks, everybody. Underneath the bed, sometimes.